Choose the level of electricity your business can save on peak energy days and get lower energy costs. Be an energy hero. Find out about money-saving programs for your business at sdge.com slash save the day. Hi there, it's Shelly Wade. Welcome to my All the Rage with Shelly Wade podcast on iHeartRadio. I certainly appreciate you taking the time to listen. Today's guest on the podcast is Food Network star and San Diego Magazine food critic Troy Johnson. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a total foodie, so I'm so looking forward to my conversation with Troy to talk all things food and such. Before we get into the conversation, though, I want to reintroduce myself just in case you're new to the podcast. My name is Shelly Kelly Wade, longtime radio host. You can hear me every weekday on Star 941 San Diego and every weekend on 1043 My FM Los Angeles. And you can open up your iHeartRadio app and listen to me on both stations no matter where you are. And quite often you can see me on national TV on shows like The Talk on CBS and The Today Show on NBC. You can go to my All the Rage with Shelly Wade fan page on Facebook to watch a video that features a sample of some of my TV appearances. And listen, while you're on my All the Rage with Shelly Wade fan page on Facebook, be sure to hit the like button. Also, follow me on Twitter at Shelly Wade. Don't forget that Shelly's spelled with an E-Y. And I'm on Instagram at the one and only Shelly Wade. So, all right, let's get into my conversation with Troy Johnson from Food Network and San Diego Magazine. Hi, Troy. Hello. Okay, so my family and friends can tell you Mm -hmm. that I am the hugest foodie that you'll ever meet. I don't know. Maybe oh. maybe besides you. <laughs> Let me tell you how much of a foodie I am. Um, if I'm on the phone with you, Troy, I'll be like, hey, so what kind of sandwich are you eating? And you'll be like, like you know. I'm not even eating. <laughs> <laughs> well, say if you told me you were eating a sandwich. I'm like, oh, what kind? And you're like, oh, turkey sandwich. No, 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 no. no. I want specifics. I want to know what kind of turkey is it. I want to know what kind of bread is it. You just can't say wheat bread. I want to know if it's got seeds in it. I want. It's like I want to get the entire experience. I want to feel like um, I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. So I need to know. granular description. Yes. Everything. I know. I need to know mayo and mustard. Harissa aioli. (laughs) And if you say lettuce, no, no, no. What kind of lettuce are you in it? So I'm just, I I just get such gratification from talking about food. So that's why I'm so excited that you're here with me because you are the food expert. Well, you know, at the end end of the day, food and sex are so closely tied. (laughs) I mean, that's it, right? Isn't that it? I mean, it genuinely is. It's one of the most sensual things we do as a human being to propagate the species. We have yes. to eat. We have to procreate. Yes. That's it. So let's give you a proper introduction. Of course, uh, your food critic um, with the San Diego Magazine. And of course, I know you from uh, being on the Food Network. You're a judge on gro- Guy's Grocery Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're on Bi- Big Ten Network, right? Yeah, I do a show on Big Ten Network called Campus Seats. So basically, the Big Ten, all the Big Ten college towns, Penn State, Ohio State. Um, all, all of them. We basically travel around all the Midwest mm-hmm. and Eastern um, schools and try to find the best eats around those towns. Mm, this is this just sounds like an ideal career, Troy. Yeah, it's an just ideal career to with, travel as around long as it comes eat. to the treadmill. You know what I mean? <laughs> what I mean, you could just keep getting fat. It doesn't matter. I, I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll, we'll still love you. Exactly. <laughs> My girlfriend would like to love me for a longer time. You know what I mean? She's like, why don't you stick around? Yeah. You know, so. I always say something, you know, I'm always like, you know, listen, life is short. You know, eat chocolate. And then I'm like, well, life is even shorter if you eat too much chocolate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you got to have that balance with all things, right? Well, and that's, you know, honestly, in this career, I've been doing it now for 11 years and I switched over from writing about music. And when I first started doing this, I didn't realize the amount of food you have to consume as a food writer. Uh-huh. I mean, I will eat at between three and 25 restaurants a week. Yeah. So how do you make the transition from being a music writer to a food writer? How does that happen? You fake, you lie, you cheat, you steal. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, no, I, I, was, I wrote about music for a long time, and I'm just a, uh, I got a poetry minor, which at the time I couldn't believe, a speech communications grad and a poetry minor, which basically made me the least employable college graduate in 1,700 <laughs> years. You know, but I use those metaphors that I learned in poetry Mm -hmm. to describe anything that I write about, whether it be music or food. And it turns out that music parlays into food really well. Jonathan Gold, who was obviously just passed away and was one of the most famous L.A. Times food critic, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner. He went from writing about music to writing about food. Yeah. So after I lost two jobs in 2008 when the American economy collapsed, I needed a job. And I walked into a (laughs) magazine and I said, I need a job. And they said, you know. We like your writing, but you're going to have to write about food. And honestly, at the end of the day, I said, I, I, the first thought to my head was, oh, that sucks. Really? I did not want to write about food because the writing that I had read about food up until that point was erudite and stuffy mm-hmm. and just pretentious. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel like something of the people. I wrote about jazz and punk and hip hop mm, and indie yeah. rock and yep. everything else. And I, I was like, that's not art, man. This is just like what rich people do when they're sitting around in soft sweaters around fire features, you know, <laughs> and their Aspen timeshare. <laughs> no, food is art. You know, and then I, so what I did is I, what really came out of my mouth is I said, that's been a lifelong dream of mine. I'd love to write about food. Thank you very much. I'm going to take the job. <laughs> you know, and so, so they gave me the job as a senior editor and they just said, look, you're not going to have to write about food immediately. We're going to give you three years study under a guy who wrote for the New York Times on food. And then we have a James Beard Award winning um, food editor for the magazine group mm-hmm. they're going to train you you're going to talk to chefs you're going to study your butt off for three years and i did that and then they finally gave me a shot up for three years i wrote my first review for modern luxury riviera magazine uh-huh. and it won an award they won an award and what? then they just said you know what all right it seems like you've actually learned enough i gotta say this though the first review that i ever did I wrote mostly about like the decor, <laughs> you know, I, I was still, I felt, still felt like a fraud, you yeah, know, I, I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, I've been studying it for three years, but, but literally my apartment in Golden Hill in San Diego mm-hmm. was just, it was nothing but food flashcards. I had thousands and thousands and thousands of food flashcards. Mm-hmm. I would just read every single, you know, food encyclopedia, every cookbook, everything else, and make, if I didn't know a term, if I didn't know a recipe, I'd put it on that card and just learn and learn and learn and talk to chefs and go out and eat and experience it and blah, 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 blah. I have to tell you, Troy, this sounds uh, hopeful for me because, you know, I am I work in music. Like, you're telling me someday I could get paid to just eat? Yes. Is this a possibility? Yes. <laughs> but I, I also am fascinated by the fact that they hired you. So when you're studying and you're apprenticing under mm-hmm. these people, they're still paying you? Yeah. That well, is you know, freaking amazing. I know. You know, at the end of the day, I was, I've always been a writer and, a, you know, a, an editor. Mm-hmm. You know, so this guy we had at the time who had written for the New York Times was, you know, entering a space, 
a space in his career where I wouldn't say he was mailing it in. Mm-hmm. I would say that he was pony expressing it in. <laughs> you know, I, he really was not riding the best. He didn't care. He, he just was kinda over like, it. He would send us just drill and they're like, Troy, make it good. Huh. So I'd have to, you know, spruce it up and, and work on his metaphors and really just kind of rehab. You would have to troyify it. I'd have to troyify yeah. it, you mm-hmm. know? And that's, they used to call, say, say that actually. <laughs> really? They're like, they're like, they're like dude, troyify it. Just get, give me some Troy. I'm I like, thought oh. I was coming up with a unique uh, no, term. Swear to God. Swear to God. <laughs> Damn it. You know, so, so that was, you know, so that, so basically I was editing his pieces and learning from his wisdom because he did have a lot of wisdom in terms of food mm-hmm. and, you know, learn that. And then, you know, I, really I had given up on TV because I had a show in San Diego called Fox Rocks. It was an underground music show for a long time. And then I did a pregame show for the San Diego Padres and lost both of those when the American economy collapsed. I mean, one week I lost two jobs, Ugh. you know, but I, so I wrote off TV. I said, you know what? Somebody with better abs, better teeth, better hair and better <laughs> smile are going to, is going to come along and I'm going to lose a TV job. But right here, <laughs> Writers, I can get bigger, I can get older, I can get just fuglier, you know, I can get everything and I can still write, uh-huh. you know. And so I was just writing for the magazine group and I saw this little ad come across um, uh, saying like Food Network is looking for new hosts. And it was a wait a minute. They put an ad out for hosts. Well, it was an email blast or a blog. It was like a blog okay. or something came across my email. But for industry insiders, kind casting, of. Okay. Di- yeah, casting director was looking. Was basically they weren't supposed to put Food Network on there. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I went, got it. And I went. You know what? I'm like, no, 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 no. And I went. You know what? All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take 20 minutes. I'm going to fill out this thing, and I'm going to. I'm not going to backspace. I'm. I'm only going to allow myself 20 minutes to fill out all the questions, and I'm not going to backspace. I'm just going to get through it. And if they never call, it's totally fine. Yeah. You know. And so you know, they had questions like, you know, how, how do you, what do you cook? And I go, honestly, I are we allowed to cuss in this or no? You can cuss. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is the only f bomb I'm going to drop all day. <laughs> okay. um, I promise you. Uh, but you know, they're like, how do you, you know, how do you cook? And I said, you know, I. I cook like a college kid fucks with way too much energy and not enough skill you know and that's really I, that's, oh, what, that's cute. I just kept on saying things and saying things and you know and they, I, I sent it off and you know about a, three days later the production company called me they're like look well, you don't usually call people but you made us laugh so much Aww. that will you please do this demo tape it's a seven minute demo tape of you sitting up against the wall talking about food you know telling us about your life and I put it off for like six and a half days and then I like 4 a.m. one morning, I woke up in my boxers and just sketched out this like monologue that I was gonna do. Recorded mm-hmm. it in like one, you know, one sitting with a friend of mine, and sent it off to Food Network. And I got a call two weeks later, and they're like, "We'd like to give you your own show." Oh my god! How excited were you? I was, I, I was, I was flabbergasted, you know. And I remember going into the Food Network studios in in New York and thinking, you know, oh, I'm really out of my league here. I was the first food writer they ever hired for their own his own oh, show. Okay, I had my own show called Crave in 2011, mm-hmm. and you know, went on the road, you know, traveled around, ate, did everything, you know, and honestly being in there with Bob Tushman um, and a few other like big Food Network executives at the time, mm-hmm. you know, um, was was a good soiling experience mm-hmm. because I soiled myself. <laughs> I really did. I, I, I just remember having a little bit of, you know, tunnel vision and panic attack and mm-hmm. just, just wanting to get out of the room, you know, but I ended up making enough of an impression on them that they gave me a shot. And we had one season of that. It was a primetime show. Mm-hmm. And then it got canned. Yeah, uh. you know. But, you know, what happened was, here's what happened. They put me on primetime. But I was saying things on the show like, the only thing that would make this better is if Nickelback broke up every time you ate it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> 
Why are people so hard on Nickelback? I don't, I don't understand. Here's the, here's the dirty secret. I love Nickelback. All right. I, I, I like their songs too, but people hate when them. When I'm man. alone in my car and that it's... one song about today was your last day comes on, I'm like, what's my last day? I would, I would listen to this song over and over. You know, but anyways, but they, you know, they put me off. They basically put me off at 1130 on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. And uh, a buddy of mine called me a week later. It was supposed to be a graveyard. The show was done. Yeah. You know, a buddy of mine called me not a week later. It's like four weeks later. He said, dude, have you seen your ratings? Hmm. And I'm like, no, man. They called me and told me my show was done. I haven't looked at that thing. I mean, <laughs> I am I am knee deep in a bottle of vodka right now. <laughs> you know, and so he's like, your ratings, you're the second highest rated show on Food Network on Fridays behind Guy Fieri. I was going to say, behind who? I know. Exactly. That's awesome. Guy Fieri. I was like, That's... really? You know, and I, I, so, he saw, so I started watching him, and I'm like, oh, my God. It turns out at 1130, those are my people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little bit more sarcastic. They're a little bit more, you know, um, Dorito-filled. You know, they were a little bit more, it just had, you know, a little edge Are to you them. saying, sounds like they had some wacky weed while they're watching you, Troy. Is that Maybe. Just the marijuana? Maybe. All right? So I'm just saying, it was a little bit of edgier crowd. Uh-huh. And, you know, they... Food Network eventually called me back, and they're like, we don't ever do this. Once we're done with somebody, we're done, you know. But um, you've kind of become like a cult hit late night. Yeah. You know, and they thought about launching Crave 2, but they decided not to, you know. And then Guy Fieri called me. You know, the production for Guy Fieri called me. Guy Fieri did not call me. And here's why. I'll tell you this in a second. First time, they were like, wait, we're launching this new show called Guy's Grocery Games. It's going to be with Guy Fieri. Mm Mm-hmm. And I went on to the set. They, they said, we want you to be a judge on it. Mm-hmm. So I got to the set. And the first t- first day I got to the set, it was after Guy had just had – it was a, a review in the New York Times of his New York restaurant that was – I mean, one of my least favorite things that a food critic's ever written, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. It was a personal attack. Okay. It just it was all questions about why are your awesome fries not awesome? You know, it just, yeah. it just went after him. And he, yeah. I didn't know Guy. I wasn't trying to stick up for Guy. But I remember tweeting about this before. I even got called for the show and saying, this is what's wrong with food journalism. Yeah. You can't just personalize attack people yeah you know so anyway. I'm, I'm sure they talked about his hair and everything exactly. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. all the cheap shots all the low blows they took every single one of them but so guy calls calls me into his trailer mm-hmm. i'm in the trailer next to him he calls me into his trailer and he goes looks at me he goes i hate food critics oh. he goes you have one shot you <gasps> just gotten this review i mean oh it was God. so bad it was you know he goes you have one shot you proved to me that you're not all just jerks you know and that's it so we went on set. I'm like, well, this is my last day on the set. You know, so I'm like, I may as well say whatever the hell comes to mind. You know? Wow. And, and so he I, came at you like that? He did. Wow. I mean, he was, I mean, you know, he just was like, whew, he's like, people vouch for you. But he was letting me know that he was not okay with my kind at the time. Yeah, no, no, no. I know? understand. And, I understand. And so, so he, you know, we went on set. I made him laugh. Aww. You know, I made him chuckle a couple times, and he was like, "You know what? You're not you're not so bad." And I've been doing it now. I've done over a hundred episodes of of Guys Grocery Games. We've been doing it now for five, six years, I think. Yeah, five I years. always look forward to seeing you on the show. Oh, it's fun. You know, I really do. Yeah. I we, love that show. Yeah, so it's it's a great time. I mean, it's the whole crew guy curates a good band of people mm-hmm. you're not a good person if you give dirty looks if you don't do your job if you're just a jerk he's like you're gone That's you're not it. gonna be on the show you're not yeah. gonna show. he's like i want happy people i want you to treat your, your peers with respect this has to be a family otherwise it doesn't work but you know they always say it's it starts from the top um i know when you work into you walk into a workplace and if it's a really negative um vibe a lot of times 
You know, even if the person at the top isn't the negative person, they're allowing it to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I always feel like it starts at the top. So, you you know, the person at the top sets the tone for, you know, the, the workplace. Yep. And so, you know, Guy is a perfect example of that. Very cool. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a good guy. He's just, mm-hmm. he, you know, he takes care of Guy his, is a good guy? Guy is a good guy. <laughs> you know, he takes care of his people. He treats, you know, everybody from small person to executive producer the exact same, you know? Yeah. And if there's somebody on, the sta- on, on set that needs help that maybe, you know, is kind of lost in their career, just getting into the work, he'll take them under the wing. You know, it's just it's a good it's a good scenario for people to be in. It's yeah, a hundred people in that set. Yeah, you know? I'm a, I, I am such a foodie, and when I lived in New York City, I was there for twelve years between 2001 to 2013 when I first moved here. So I had some experiences with Food Network. Um, I remember going to uh, a couple of tapings of a few shows. I went to uh, the one that stands out for me most is uh, is um, the chef, the chef, the fight, the battle, the battle, Iron Chef, Iron Chef. Chef, thank you. I couldn't think of it, um, but just to see the, um, just to see how it works. Oh my God! You know, I got to judge um, it once. Oh yeah, it's it, it's a really great show, and I used to hang out with Sunny Anderson, um, okay. and sometimes still keep in touch with her. Yeah. Um, Sunny uh, started off as a radio DJ, and she and I used to be on uh, air at the same time. She was on Hot ninety seven, I was on Z one hundred, um, and so we, you know, have that similar background. And Tell so me you guys got to we, cook together. Yeah, I didn't cook with her. You know, it's so funny, Troy. I can cook, and when um, I cook for my family and friends, they love mm-hmm. my food. But I don't cook that often. I live by myself, and I don't cook as much as I should. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm most of the time when I get off air, I'm going to pick something up. You know, don't and, get, don't <laughs> get me wrong. I was the same way until I had to get into food for until for, you to, had to do to it. To yeah. survive. <laughs> if I were forced, yes, of course I. You yeah. know, if I ever got married, I would cook for my husband and stuff like that. But right. you know, it's just yeah. me. Sometimes I cook, but not as much as you would think. But what I did um, get the opportunity to go to Sunny's house a few times and she cooked so oh, which was pretty amazing I, I, okay I'd rather have Sunny cook than me cook. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing and also she has a I can't remember the name of the cookbook I would have to go back and look but I was still in NYC at the time so it was probably released in like maybe 2012 or something like that and we went to her place and uh, you know it was like a photo shoot for her her cookbook okay. and so awesome. so you know I got to be in that some of her friends were in the backyard and you know Sweet. eating the food and drinking so I was like yes the happiest I love people this. in the room because they don't have to cook. They don't have to pay attention to the photographer. She's like, I'm going to eat over here. That's what you need me to do. I'm just mm-hmm. eating. I don't have to do anything but eat. So that was fun. And I always say that I want to marry a chef. Mm-hmm. And I've met different chefs and they told me, no, you don't want to marry a chef. You want to have a chef as a best friend. Because they're like, we're crazy. What are your, what are your thoughts on this that? This is very true. Really? There is a certain breed of people that get into being a chef because it is not easy work. Uh-huh. It is absolutely brutal back there. I mean, you're, you're dealing with a... You're dealing with a, a massively underpaid back of the house staff. Yeah. You know, everybody who's there is either there because life has put them in a situation where they just need to fight for their lives, or they're really <laughs> passionate about it, almost too passionate about it, where they're a little OCD and crazy about it, mm-hmm. you know, or they've done jail time, or they're, I mean, they're really, I mean, it really is that like molten, I mean, like, you know, like petri dish of like discarded humanity back there and that's not every chef but i mean every chef i know that'll tell you that's like look it's not it's a tough crowd back there okay you know and you have to work long hours when Uh when everybody's going out you you you're staying in Uh you know it takes a certain personality to be in that hot sweaty nighttime environment and work all day and all night and really not for a ton of pay until you make it to Food Network or get your own restaurant. Until or you're, cook, you know, yeah. I mean, that's it. So don't mirror a chef. Nope.
Nope, they're nuts. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay, Chain, yeah. plan B then. <laughs> yeah, be- best friend, whoever said that to you. Is <laughs> you know who said that to me? Chef uh, Tiffany Deary. Okay. Yeah, she yeah. told me that because uh, we, you know, I make TV appearances on uh, the talk, uh, on the talk on CBS, and she was there once yeah. uh, when I was there, and we were both in the makeup room getting our, you know, hair and makeup done. And I told her I want to marry a chef. She was like, Nope, we're crazy. <laughs> she was like, Don't marry a chef. Just have a chef as a best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Well, and you know what it is too. It's so I, I was just talking to Alex Guardichelli. She's an Iron Chef, and she was on the show. Yeah, um, competing. I love and, Alex. Oh, she. Can <laughs> she oh. seems serious though i remember one time i'd gone to you you remember have you ever been to one of the chefs in champagne events in the hamptons uh in the summer times in new york well i was at one of those and they'll bring in all the top chefs and she was really hot it was like 90 almost 100 degrees and she's sweating and she's serving up the food and i was like oh alex love you one and she's looking like yeah whatever (laughs) (laughs) she she seems tough she She seems tough she is tough she's a new yorker you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. She's really sweet, and mm-hmm. she has a, like, a sense of soul to her that mm-hmm. I've never seen. She she really gets people and looks them straight in the eye, mm-hmm. but she doesn't do the small talk. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's like, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she's been in this industry too long. She's owned butter in New York for 17 years, yeah. you know? But I was you know, I was talking to her, and I was actually t- talking at one point about opening up my own restaurant. And mm-hmm. she, I was just talking to her about this idea that I had for San Diego that I might open a restaurant. Oh, please do. You know, and she said, what are you? Are, are you effing nuts? And he's like, "What? Are you kidding me? Why do you want to get in the industry this time? Because it's so hard to make money as a chef restaurateur. Now. Yeah, you know, especially with minimum wage going up and paying the front of the house and everything else. You know, it's just it's really hard time for these guys. The margins mm-hmm. have always been small. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest problems, honestly, is you know the front of the house um, servers who are already making tips. You know, getting the minimum wage hike. You know, while they're already making twenty, thirty dollars an hour in mm-hmm. tips, that's putting a crunch on the local small business owners. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really hard for them to make that money work. All that money should be going to the back house where the guys are cooking their butts uh, off. Uh huh. Yeah. So Alex thought she's okay. You're, yeah, she told are you me, crazy. She, she told me she's cra- it's crazy. So I mean, anybody who's in an industry industry where it's crazy to actually do what you do has a screw loose. So let me ask you: Are you still interested in doing it? No. No. Really? No. Well, I don't know. I always threaten to open up a restaurant in San Diego because what I cook at home is really healthy. I have to because I eat so much pork belly during the week. I eat so many beef cheeks. You know, uh, you know, livers and things like that. Yeah. Everything that I'm like when I cook at home, you know, it's all grains and vegetables and okay. like superfoods and stuff like that. Yeah. But I make it good with good oils and spices and fats and stuff like that. That's what I want to bring. Especially OB could use something like that because it's a healthy hippy dippy little part of town where I yeah, live. Yeah, yeah. But they don't have like that quick, really healthy place to go. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, um, you know, of course, you know, OB has, um, you know, our f- favorite burger place, Ho Dad's. Ho Dad's. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to be the antithesis to Ho Dad, <laughs> and I love Ho Dad's. <laughs> But I want to be able to eat hoedads and then eat what I cook for the for, to save my life. Eat something yeah. vegany. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know, listen. Since we're talking about San Diego, let's go way back and talk about your start because you were born and raised in San Diego. I always say when I meet people who are born and raised here, this is not a bad place to be born and raised. And a lot, I feel like a lot of San Diegans take it for granted because it's so absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. But you're used to it. Yeah. So you take it for granted. Do you feel that you've taken it for granted? Yeah. I feel like you... being married to George Clooney, you're like, yeah, he's all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, yeah, I, it really, I do take it for granted a little bit. But, you know, I've had, throughout my career, I was born in San Diego in 
1973. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the biggest baby ever born in Scripps Hospital at that point in time. 11 pounds, four <laughs> Are ounces. Are you serious? 11 pounds. Wow. I broke the record at wow. Scripps Hospital. And people used to call, my dad always says, you have a sense of humor because everybody who looked down in your you know, bassinet couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> you know, like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. How did your mom survive that I birth? I know. I know. Oh, she became a lesbian. I wrote a book about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I would too. Totally. Okay. So, okay, got it. So yeah, so I grew up here, and you know, I, I throughout my career being a writer, mm-hmm. you know, and being a TV person, everybody said, you know, you need to go to New York, you need to go to LA, you need, you need to get out of San Diego. And yeah. I'm like, hell no, I'm not gonna leave this town. Yeah, I'm like, this is the best town that I've ever been in because in LA, God bless it, it's got so much more culture than San Diego does. Everything else, and mm-hmm. you, you can't get around. You don't live in LA; you live in your neighborhood of yeah. LA because you go to another neighborhood, it's gonna take you an hour. The traffic is nightmarish. It's just nightmarish. I always wonder that, you know, because I'm on air in LA on the weekends, and you know, sometimes you know, there's always the prospect. Okay, would you ever go there full time? People are always asking me that, mm-hmm. and I've lived in San Diego now for five years. I've never lived in LA. I spend a lot of time in LA. Never mm-hmm. lived there. I don't know. I, I I guess you would have to live there to know if you'd yeah. like living there but i know that the traffic even it, me not living there now it already gives me nightmares i know traffic is nightmarish i like to drive i'm from houston big wide open city we mm-hmm. drive everywhere even when i lived in new york i drove around manhattan all the time i what? like i like to drive i always say driving around manhattan is so fun because it's like don't hit the pedestrian don't hit the taxi driver it's like a video game did you <laughs> steal a taxi because nobody owns cars in new york i owned a car i got my car i got well when i my when I first moved there, I got my uh, Jeep Cherokee Sport uh, shipped there from Texas. And then, you and know. And you got a Texas car sent out there? <laughs> I got a Texas car sent I love, I still, even when I go back to visit, I love driving around Manhattan. I love it. Yeah. See, I, again, it's San Diego. I, I, it's New York too, but I just, the slower pace of life. Yeah. I like that. I like that relaxed. Look, everything in my life, I'm in media, I'm in, you know, I do TV, I do writing, and I've got deadlines. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on TV and I go, 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 go. Yeah. You're on, you're on. Talk, 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 talk. You know, up, and then up. yeah, and then when you're done though in San Diego, everything moves a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. It relaxes mm-hmm. a little bit more. It's more of a heartbeat of life. It's mm-hmm. more, I think, in tune with the way the body is supposed to to like move throughout the day. You know, in LA, everybody's fast. In New York, everybody's fast. I'm yep. like, just slow the hell down, man. <laughs> San Diego, it is. I felt like when I moved here from New York because I had gone through some a bit of adversity when yeah. I when I was there the last few years, and I really felt like I needed some healing, mm-hmm. and I feel like. San Diego has healing properties. I don't know if that makes any sense, but for me... It makes so much sense to me. Honestly, I think it is that slower pace of life. It's that nicer pace of, pace of life. People here are, tend to be nicer. They always call it the Des Moines by the, by the beach. You know? Really? I've yeah. never heard that. Des Moines by like, the beach. It has that small town feel. It has that... Everybody who, who meets you, they're just kind of more authentically like, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Good to see you. What, 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 you know, what's going on? Not like... Hi, how are you? What do you do? How can you help me? What's going on? I got, I got two minutes, all right? Yeah. You know, and my, and my girlfriend just moved out from New York, right? Mm-hmm. And I love New York. It's one of the most beautiful, amazing cities in the world. It's, it's really, it's so exciting. It's I love so New York. It's so exciting. Mm-hmm. It's where everything in the world happens. Mm-hmm. It's the center of the universe. It is. It is. More cultures <laughs> yep. than, any, than any other, you know, city in the world, mm-hmm. you know, but there's, there is that, like, you have to avoid humanity. You know, you, she literally, because she, you encounter four million people a day, 
you know, you can't say hello to everybody. Yeah. You can't just say, like, be nice and, and give salutations because you don't have time. Yeah. You know, you're going to see all these people. So it's like head downs, headphones on, blah, 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 blah. And you just go from place to place. Whereas she came to San Diego and I started saying hello to everybody. She's like, what? what, what what's going what, on? What? What, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you talking to these people? Exactly. Why are you talking <laughs> to the Uber driver? <laughs> well, you know, I never, because I'm from Houston and I never lost that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always had that. And I would, uh, it's so funny because when my family would visit me, you know, we would be, because I lived in um, Jersey the whole time I worked in Manhattan. Okay. And so I would go through, uh, the toll booths, you know, like, I don't know, like Lincoln Tunnel or GW Bridge or Holland Tunnel, one of those. And I would always get up there. And if I was paying, if I didn't have, you know, my easy pass, I'd be like, hi, how are you? And, you know, they'd be looking like, like, they don't want to say anything to you, most of them, right? And my family would be like, when are you going to stop being nice to these people? And I'm like, no, it's just me. I'm going to say hi. When I die. (laughs) You know, but, you know, yeah, I feel like when you were talking about your girlfriend, you know, and all the stuff, you know, not being, you know, not wanting to interact with all the people because it's overwhelming. I always say New York is an all-out assault on the senses in every way you can imagine. Um, You know, the noise is an assault on your ears. You know, visually, everything is boom, boom, boom. It's bigger than life. car horns. Everybody honks at one Everything. (laughs) And and the smells. I mean, it's nothing as as much as I love New York, there's nothing worse than going down into the train station on a 95-degree summer day because you walk down the stairs and a wall of piss just hits you in the face. (laughs) Troy, it is offensive. It is. An all-out assault on the senses. A wall of funk. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And, and it's, the only, it's the only town that I ever know, I've ever been in, where you can smell two-star Michelin garbage. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like there's a massive this two-star Michelin restaurant, and then there's this pile of garbage Ugh. on the street. You know? And then you ever, like, you walk by the big, you know, they pile up the trash, like you said, the pile of garbage. I have walked by the piles of garbage and then rats run out. Oh yeah, that's I've a horrifying that. nightmare. Oh yeah, I, I tried. I, I tried to like I don't know, make one a pet or something. No, I, well because <laughs> just a, in San Diego we don't see that very often, all right? I'm sure we Thanks have. Thanks the Lord. I know. We, I'm sure we have them, Ooh. but I mean, you just don't see them that often. In New York, I was I, there was a rat about the size of a cat. Yes. and I was and I looked at my girlfriend. And go, oh my god! Oh my god! Check it out! She's like, you weren't running from what, it. What? No. She's like, what? are you doing? You know, get away from that vermin. <laughs> and the rats in New York have a sense of entitlement. Troy. Oh, they all bet. They're like, I'm walking down the street and they're frolicking with each other next to me. Whereas if you see a rat in San Diego, it's running away from you. No, these rats are frolicking. They don't care. <laughs> they have a sense of entitlement. You're on the train, on the, um, the train platform uh-huh. underground and they're walking along the platform and on the tracks. It's like they have a sense of entitlement. They're just sitting in the disabled person's seat. <laughs> exactly. On the, they're like, oh yeah, try to make me move. I don't care. I don't care, Grandma. That's it. And that's why I did not live in Manhattan. I would every couple of years think about it. I would Mm -hmm. come and look at some places and stuff. And then at the end of the day, I was like, I can't with these rats. I remember asking one um, realtor who was showing me around. And I was like, well, let me ask you something. Because I just don't want to see rats all the time. I was like, if I move to a nicer place, okay, nicer neighborhood, nicer place. She's like, no, it's just no guarantee. Because if this nice place is right next door to a dumpster, then you can get to see rats. I'm like, no, no. I'm not going to be 
be paying all this rent and seeing rats every day. And that's what's so beautiful about that city because it's broken and, and it's broken and so alive at the same time. You know what I mean? It is the most exciting and disgusting place ever. When you go to the city, um, mm-hmm. where do you, do you typically stay in a hotel or you get like a, um, an Airbnb? What do you typically do? You know, it, we've stayed at the Roxy um, in there. Roxy Hotel is a fantastic little place. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but really my girlfriend lived in Brooklyn. BK? So, yeah, BK. So she, she, she had like four roommates, of course. Oh, wow. You know, what and, part? Do you know what part, part uh, she lived? She, yeah, she lived, uh, lived in uh, Clinton Hill. Oh, I love Clinton Hill. Okay, mm-hmm. got so it. So she lived in Clinton Hill. So mm-hmm. we would we go there, and then a buddy of mine from Food Network, Justin Warner, he lived over mm-hmm. in um, Brooklyn, too. So we could mm-hmm. meet up with him, mm-hmm. you know, go to, to Rosario's Pizza. Is it Rosario's? No, Roberta's. Mm-hmm. Roberta's Pizza is a great little punk rock pizza place that does amazing pizzas. Okay. Um, you know, and we you basically like hang out around Brooklyn, and I love that area. Because yeah, Brooklyn's kind of, awesome. Yeah, it's like the suburbs, you know. I mean, you know, and, and being from San Diego in terms of, you know, racial diversity mm-hmm. sometimes. We're just, we, have, we have great Latino. We have great Latino <laughs> contingent. We got some good Asian contingent. Yeah, you know we don't have to be black people. It's not diverse. You know, when I first moved here, I really thought there were not many black people. I remember um, one time I'd gone to um, it was a movie. Uh, I think it was Best Man Holiday came out, mm-hmm. and black people are excited about the Best Man movies. Okay. And so we went to the movie theater, and it was black people. Everyone was like, "What? Yes. I didn't even know it was this many black people in San Diego." Oh my, oh my god. god. My Where people. have you been? My people. <laughs> well, Where then, do you guys live? For, that's why I love going to Brooklyn. Too, yeah. It's that thriving Brooklyn black is. culture. You yeah. Know, and you just kind of get like a, you know, a, just more of a multi, multicultural mm-hmm. uh, diverse yeah. experience. Yeah. You, know, the, you could have to kind of find it. <laughs> say, instantly. <laughs> Yeah, in Brooklyn. I um I always said I wanted to live. If I ever moved to Brooklyn, I would have wanted to live in in Brooklyn Heights, which is kind of out of the question because Brooklyn Heights is really expensive. It's right Bougie. there, right there on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look out over to I don't know the Wall Street area. It's uh, got all those beautiful brownstones, and that just mm. wasn't in my price range at the time. So yeah, I, don't think I would have loved. <laughs> yep. I would have. I would have loved to have lived there. I'll take there. the dumpster out back with the rats. I'll take right. it. <laughs> How much can I rent that for? Okay, so uh, we're going to go back. We're going to come back to your beginnings. Okay. But since we're talking about New York City, what was your favorite restaurant, um, to, aside from Rosario's, um, yeah. to eat in, in in New York? I have to find out your favorite restaurants because, you know, it's what you do. You're, you're, you're a food critic. I know. You know, one of, my, one of my favorite, I went to 11 Madison, which is still an amazing restaurant. I never went there. I wanted to. That's right outside of Madison Square Park, right? Yeah. Never went went wanted to go oh so so good it's it was, so it's like what is it five star michelin yeah i, I it's two star michelin i think yeah, okay it, i gave yeah. it way too many stars <laughs> sorry I, I don't think they go up to five stars okay, but sorry. look if anybody's gonna get it it's gonna be love medicine it was, it, was <laughs> okay, fa- it was fantastic you know that and then you know i followed anthony bourdain late great you know it's this little little oh, shop called peace, anthony. Uh, i know yeah. little shop called Gian noodles mm-hmm. where it's just this little spot in chinatown where they do those hand pulled noodles and they put cumin lamb in it and they mm-hmm. make the noodles right in front of you there's no re- room to, to actually eat in the restaurant some of the best lamb noodles mm. I've ever had in my life. Mm. That's one of my favorite go-tos. Okay, so I am going to, the next time I'm in NYC, mm-hmm. I'm going to go there. Yeah, Xi'an, X-I-A-N, is definitely one of my favorites. Okay, so back to San Diego. You grew up, Was it? Is it Rancho Penasquitas? Yeah. The, the, the PQ? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Skinny penis. 
And you graduated from? Well, I, I I was attempting to graduate from Mount Carmel, and then I was asked to never, ever come back to Mount Uh-oh. Carmel. What'd you do, and, Troy? Oh. All right, so here's the story. So Uh-oh. We, we, this we is went, controversial. This is, this is controversial. We It was a senior year. We were at a dance, you know, and I was a, a good enough real, rule follower that I was never going to go to a dance drunk, right? Okay. Um, but we did have three or four beers in the back of our trunk that we were going to go to a party <laughs> afterwards, and maybe okay. they're like three Coors Lights, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the dance, come out to the, the parking lot, and we opened the trunk to kind of to get change. We want to get a change out of formal clothes and just uh-huh. get into the party clothes. And we didn't hear the administrator come up behind us. And he goes, what's that, Mr. Johnson? And they kicked us out of school. The police officer actually came in and did a, a test on us. They're like, these kids haven't had a drop. You know, and they're like. What, because you had the beer in the trunk? Because we had the beer in the trunk. Okay, huh. And since then. They kicked us out. Kicked. I was the I was the number one tennis player in San Diego at the time. Really? I was supposed to win CAF. I was gonna, you know, I possibly even go pro, you know. And and they kicked me out. I lost my eligibility to play tennis. Oh my, my god! My buddy was a four point two student. They kicked. Wait, this him. is your senior year. Senior year. They, no. They, four point two student. They kicked him out, and they went around. It was a brand new principal. They went around to the to the other classrooms and said, "We just kicked out our number one tennis player, our number one athlete, and a four point two student. Do not think that we won't happen to you. Be, you know, watch your P's, wow. P's and Q's." And they sent me off to Poway High. You know, I, and since then, I've ran into the, the principal, and he told me, and I don't care. I mean, I, I ended up having a really good life. I met a lot of friends. Yeah, I was going to say, how'd you come back at, from that and Poway be so successful? A, a lot of friends at Poway High. Mm-hmm. At least they didn't have to go to Braxis, which was like that continuation school where you have to cut yourself before you get into the school. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just that kind of thing. I didn't get that, you know, seriously. <laughs> okay. Like, I, yeah, to get in, you have to burn your arm with a lighter. <laughs> um, you know, but the I, for me, you know, it was I ran into the principal, and he said, you know what, we effed up your situation so bad. Yeah. We actually changed laws. You know, we changed bylaws in the the actual education system because of what we did with you. And I said, it's okay, man. You're fine. I survived. I survived. I made it through. I didn't want to play tennis anyways. I was playing three and a half hours, four hours a day. You know, I was like, you know, I'm done. I just want to go to college. I want to go to Chico State. You know, I want to get an education. I want to live my life. You know, I don't yeah. want to be. I don't want to be this good at anything because it's a too much work. Yeah. You know. So, do you still play tennis? You know, I'm teaching my daughter how to play tennis right Aww. now. I've got a seven year old, so I've Aww. kind of picked up the racket again. Couldn't play it for years because honestly, when you play something that much, you mm-hmm. know. And I almost went to Bulletary School, which is the same school in Miami that Andre Agassi went oh, to. Wow. You know, and I almost got sent there. But when you play something so much, you just get you, you sucked up. You marrow just kind of joy burned out. out a little bit. You know, like you're no longer fun. It's like you know, I looked at Pete Sampras at one point in his career, and he was just—you know—you could tell he was just a machine. He just didn't have any joy in it. He just went out there and kicked people's ass, hmm. you know. And I was like, I kind of lost that, you okay. know. So yeah. Do you watch, you know, like the U.S. Open and things like that? Yeah. Did, wa- did yeah. you have an opinion on on what happened with Serena and with the with the uh, was it, is, do you call them referees? Sorry. <laughs> with, with, yeah, with referees, umpires, yeah. I, umpires, yeah, thanks. umpires, things. No, no, I mean those guys are such. I mean, it's such high pressure. Mm-hmm. Even if they blow up, I don't care if she's right or if she's wrong. It's like you know, occasionally they're allowed to act badly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They have such great decorum, and she's always had such great decorum. I think that you know, it was like if you act badly once, it's like okay. You know, it's fine. You know, I mean, and she did feel like she got got it stolen, you know, and I get it. But, you know, we should let these athletes not hold, not hold them to such a high expectation yeah. of emotional outbursts. You know what pressure that is? Yeah. You know, I don't care if you're Serena Williams and you want everything in the world. I mean, it's still a massively pressurized system that where you're basically playing in a championship for the world championship. If I break down a little bit, that's yeah, okay. okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Let so- it slide. 
Okay, let's come back to San okay. Diego. Um, what's your favorite restaurant here? Where, where, where should I go? Maybe somewhere I haven't experienced. Um, where would you suggest I, or if someone visiting San Diego, because you know we live in a vacation destination, so someone visiting here, where would you suggest they eat? Now, if you're visiting here, I think that you have to, there's, well, my favorite chef in town, start there. Um, every year I ask all the best high-end chefs in San Diego who's their favorite, mm-hmm. and they always point to the same guy. Jason Nib at 910. He's a Jamaican-born, San Diego-raised um, chef, and he does a Jamaican jerk uh, pork belly that's just This is over in, in La Jolla, right? In La Jolla, okay. 910, Grand Colonial Hotel. The restaurant itself- I pass it all the time. I've never been. No, the restaurant itself is a little dated and old okay. and historical, and it doesn't look- The restaurant itself it doesn't even look that great, to be quite honest with okay. you. But he cooks his butt off. He's, okay. a, he's the best. Every time I send somebody there- they're all stoked. The other place is in Hillcrest, which just came up about two years ago, called uh, Trust. Trust Restaurant in Hillcrest. Okay. This kid, Brad Wise, he was cooking in PB for a while at the JRDN, Jordan Hotel, you know, right on the water there in Pacific okay. Beach. And then he opened up this restaurant with a guy who used to be at, a, you know, like a five-star hotel, Grand Del Mar. Mm-hmm. And it is awesome. Mm. Oxtail, raviolinis, fired. Like, they do a vinegar whipped vinegar whipped cream mashed, or uh, smashed potatoes mm. there that are fantastic. Then they do this tower of profiteroles where they drip an obscene amount of chopped caramel sauce over the top of them, and they're cream stuffed. Oh. Troy, now you know how much I love to talk about food. <laughs> I'm getting so excited. And then your eyes are closed like you're really feeling it. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to try this stuff, man. Yeah, so that, I mean, then, then my favorite, if anybody like my favorite food in the world is Thai food. You know, I, I cook it all the time. I make a lot of curries and everything. Mm-hmm. But then my favorite is Saab E. Lee over in the Claremont Mesa area. S-A-B-E Lee. And it's mm-hmm. this tiny little joint where they cook it way too hot. Do not think that you can handle their spice level. I mean, unless you're from like Trinidad, you know, like and, and you know Scotch bonnets and you, you know that spice level. You know, I mean, it's the hottest food I've ever eaten in my life and some of the best Thai food I've ever Would eaten Would this life. be in the Convoy District? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll have to try that out. It's so good. Okay, so um, I some couple of things I wrote down I wanted to ask you so that I, I don't forget. Um, Top Chef uh, Fatih, um, Chef Fatih from uh, Top Chef, if right. you guys are not familiar with her, she was a contestant on Top Chef, uh, and um, she was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. shortly after being on the show, and um, she was told earlier this year that her her cancer is terminal and just the food community has has just surrounded her with so much love and started her a GoFundMe um, uh, account and what Fatih is doing is she's going to go with her loved ones and her family members and travel around the world and eat at mm-hmm. some of her favorite restaurants so she's going to use her because the doctor told her she has like something like a year to live yeah. and so she's going to use that time um, you know not feeling sorry for herself but no. traveling around and eating at some of her favorite restaurants or some of the restaurants she's always wanted to eat at. And I was like, you know what? That's something that I, w- I would probably want to do something like that a- if I were told. Absolutely. My final days, absolutely. Send me on the road and just go enjoy what she's done her entire life. She yeah. worked, and she's worked her ass off, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, in the kitchen and worked every step of the way, which is grueling and hard, especially being from Pakistan, where she was. You know, she had to leave Pakistan, you know, come to the United States, you know, study, work her way up the ranks in mm-hmm. New York, you know, and now she just gets to go, you know, and enjoy some of the best food in the world. I mean, and the chef community, that's the thing. Somebody starts struggling, somebody, you know, gets terrible, terrible news like this. They all rally. They are one of the most fiercely loyal groups of people I've ever seen in my life because yeah. they know what it's like to work your ass off in that sweaty kitchen. Yeah, and she was saying that, she and her mom were, were both saying that when she was um, in the hospital and getting all of her treatments, mm-hmm. 
um, that she would watch Ellen DeGeneres every day. And so Ellen had her as a guest on the show, and Ellen gave her $50,000 towards her travels wow. across, around the world. I just thought that was so amazing. Yeah, Ellen's just amazing, too. Yeah, so um, Chef Fatih is uh, really inspiring me as well, because, you know, mm-hmm. really, we should be, Ellen actually mentioned this on the show, we should be li- living each day as if, you know, we don't know what's going to happen the next second, because we don't. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, that's what Fatih is doing with, with the time that she has left. And, of course, we wish her the best. Um, is there anything before we sign off, Troy? I so enjoyed talking food with you. Same here. Um, before we sign off, is there anything you want uh, listeners to uh, the Rage Podcast to know, um, where to follow you online, any projects you're working on? Yeah, you can uh, follow me online at, 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 and I hate this, underscore Troy Johnson. <laughs> Twitter and Somebody already had Troy Johnson. Twi- yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, underscore. I come from a long line. My father was hyphen Troy Johnson and now I got named underscore out in his honor you know, <laughs> underscore, underscore, underscore Troy Johnson and then SD Food News at San Diego Magazine is where I keep all my some of my writings for San Diego and I'm actually working keep an eye out for my book which I'm almost finished with mm-hmm. um, it's called Son of a Butch um, it's about my story about growing up with a gay parent in the Reagan 80s before there was any really gay icons to like you know look to to hold on to yeah. what it was like being the, being the child of one, one of the more you know like um Controversial lifestyles in mm-hmm. America. Yeah, and I'm writing a it's a it's a comedy slash you know um, I'm just exploring what it was like you know before gays you could come out of the closet and be accepted mm-hmm. you know so and and are you going to try to find some way to add food into that? <laughs> no, this is going to no. be completely. This is going to be my own memoir, comedic wow. memoir. Um, you know, I actually this book came out eight years ago during the same American economy. I it was know. put out by the guy that edited Naked Lunch by William Burroughs. Oh. And, and it still sold like 7,000 copies around the, around the U.S., but I wanted to change it. I wanted to get it different, so I bought the rights back. I've, I've added chapters. Mm-hmm. I've made it different, a little more mature than I am now. You know, and it's gonna. I'm going to put it back out probably in the next couple of months. So. Okay, very cool. Yeah. I've so enjoyed talking food with you. You, you guys, uh, food critic, writer, TV personality, Food Network star, Troy Johnson, San Diego native. Thank you for stopping by my San Diego studio Thank to be you, on Ms. Wade. the All the Rage with Shelly Wade podcast and iHeartRadio. Appreciate you. Yeah, there you have it. Troy Johnson stopping by to bless us with his presence on the All the Rage with Shelly Wade podcast. Love him. How fun is he? Very awesome. I told him um, before he left that I so want to do lunch or dinner with uh, him and his girlfriend. So we're going to set it up. All right, be sure to check out my other episodes of the podcast. I posted some really great throwback interviews I did with Lady Gaga and Beyonce. Also did a really fun interview with Vernon Reed's Band of Gypsies Revisited Band. Vernon Reed, in case, uh, you know, just to refresh your memory, in case you don't already know about him, he is um, the founding member of Living Color. One of my all-time favorite songs was their song in the late 80s, Cult of Personality. Legendary. So I've got an interview with them. I also did a a tribute episode to my father who passed away last year and a couple of weeks ago was the year anniversary of his death. So I did a tribute episode to him and you can check it all out on my All the Rage with Shelly Wade podcast by opening up.
up the iHeartRadio app or going to iHeartRadio.com and under podcast searching for All the Rage with Shelly Wade. And while you're there, be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, follow me on social media. You can find my All the Rage with Shelly Wade fan page on Facebook. Hit the like button and follow me on Instagram at the one and only Shelly Wade and on Twitter at Shelly Wade. And of course, don't forget the Shelly spelt with an E-Y because if you don't put that E-Y in there, it's the wrong Shelly Wade. Love you. Let's check out the music apps on Contour. Find romantic music. I was watching that. May I have this dance? Get a room. With Contour TV from Cox, you'll find more than your favorite music apps. You'll find your together.